Welcome to episode number 11 of the Creative Percussion Podcast. My name is Justin Mason, and my guest today, you know him best as Jason Aldean's drummer of 20 years or so, Mr. Rich Redman. How you doing, sir? Hey, what's up, Justin? How are you, man? I'm doing very, very well. So this, of course, is the Creative Percussion Podcast, and I know you are a new addition to the artist roster, so... First off, welcome to the family. Oh, thank you. Um, one of the one of the only for me um, artist rosters that feels like a actually feels like a family. Um, so glad to see you on board. With this being Creator Percussion Podcast, um, one of my favorite questions that I ask is, "What is something that Creator Percussion makes that you have put on your kit?" that you have said, this is never leaving my kit from here on out. This is on my kit. Yeah. Well, you know, I met Kevin long time ago. I guess he's always been an entrepreneur, a drumming entrepreneur, and right. he's got all these crazy wacky ideas. And just the idea that he can bring them all to light and to life is, is right. a pretty incredible thing. So we've known each other a long time and he would kind of drip things my way. And I think I got one of the earliest versions of the drum taco and I, and you probably get that you know, that's probably the mainstay of the CP family. You know, the idea that there's a sort of a magnet that holds this drum muffling device that can, you know, easily with the flick of a stick be turned on or off in essence. And it's so portable. You just throw it in your backpack. So um, recently Kevin sent me just all sorts of stuff, Krakens and add this to your symbol and add this to your high end. And it squeaks and rattles and shakes and chirps. And it's like, it's all sort of, it's creative. It's great. But I would right. say that's the mainstay. And if you want to just kind of break the ice and kind of see what the um, CP family is all about, I would say that the drum taco is the way to go. And who doesn't love a taco, you know? Yeah. And you don't have to use it only on Tuesdays. That's right. <laughs> you can use it any day of the week. Any day of the week. <laughs> so I, I know you've been playing with Jason Aldean for 20 years, but I know you've been playing longer than that. Sure. And so with your knowledge of drumming, your wide array of knowledge of drumming, um, what is one thing that you know now, 30 some odd years, 25, 30 some odd years in, that you wish you had known when you first started playing drums? Oh, that's a great question, Justin. Um, you know, as you go along, um, you know, I, 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 like everyone wanted to, you know, you push the gamut, you listen to return to forever and Mahavishnu orchestra and the Chicory electric band. And, you know, you're listening to Mike Clark with Herbie Hancock and you're like, how dense can I play? How many notes can I fit into a measure? And just as you progress, you realize that 99% of the work you're going to do as a drummer is bringing songs to life. And mm -hmm. that's what a great town like Nashville taught me because, you know, when I was at North Texas State, you know, you're playing big band, you're playing fusion, you're just trying to push the gamut, which is great. Um, but, you know, the older I get, the bigger my drums get, the bigger my cymbals get, the less I play, the more I work. And it's just, you know, keep it simple, stupid. It's like, you know, just pretend that you're the lead singer of the song. What do you want to hear from your drummer? 
pretend that you're a soccer mom going down the highway in your minivan and you're kind of drumming on your <laughs> steering wheel. That's a great way to approach drumming because it'll keep you out of trouble. It'll keep you from getting fired. It's great to have all that stuff in your bag of tricks because it's better to have the ability for someone to say, hey, give me more and they, yeah. and you could give it to them. But yeah. but if they say, give me more and you're at the peak of your ability, then that's kind of a bad thing. So you kind of need both. You need the ability to express yourself mm -hmm. with tons of facility, but the discipline to not do it. I love that. I When I first started playing drums, I was 13 years old and right. I grew up playing in church, very Southern Baptist church. Yeah. So they wanted just basically two and four, you know, you might play, you know, a waltz beat here and there or whatever, sure. but they wanted drums without having drums. Right. So I had to learn early on dynamics. Yeah. And so I, I love that, you know, that was part of your answer. Yeah. And it, it, people want to feel you sometimes and not necessarily yeah. hear you, especially in the beginning days of the, say something as institutional as the Grand Ole Opry, you know, in the early days of the Opry, there was like this black, you know, plexiglass that separated the drummer from, and they were very hesitant about adding drums to the Opry, you know? Yes. Uh, but I think it was, uh, it was one of the early Western swingers that actually said, no, we're going to have you know, we're going to have the drums and um, thank God, you know, because look at where um, country pop music is today. The drums are cranked. Yes. <laughs> you know, well, and then you have these crazy people who put plexiglass shields around electronic kits and think that's going to make a difference. But, <laughs> that's hilarious. Know. That's like the, the meme or the picture that's floating around the internet of someone miking up the SPDSX. Yes. I love that one. <laughs> so what was your biggest failure as a drummer we we always talk about failures and how failure helps us grow sure and we're able to learn from failures and i know that i've had many in the 17 years that i've been playing drums um so what was your biggest failure as a drummer and what did you learn from that experience that helped you grow and that's a great question kind of looking back I don't know if I don't know if I had epic fails like, you know, I, I tripped on the way to the drums in front of 20,000 people because um, that's always good for a laugh. But sometimes you have little failures like uh, like when you're, you know, 25 and you're playing in, uh, you know, a horn band and, you know, the leader happened to have worked with, uh, you know, uh, blood, sweat and tears. Right. And, and he's very knowledgeable and specific about what he wants and. And, you know, you're just constantly being yelled at. You're being yelled at. You're too fast. You're too slow. You're too loud. You're too soft. Too much of this, too much of that. And you learn your tendencies and you learn how to take direction and you get feedback from people like, hey, every time you go to the ride, you're dragging or, hey, when this chorus happens, instead of just maintaining the pocket, like try to pick it up a little bit or, um, you know, you forgot your brushes today. What? You know, so little failures like that, you'll you'll just learn. You know, I became such a Boy Scout you know, having two of everything minimum, you know, even in the early touring days with Aldine, where I was my own drum tech, it was like, gotta have extra uh, kick drum heads. So in case you go through that sucker and you're like in the middle of like Fargo, North Dakota, and there's no drum shop and you gotta have your lug locks and your duct tape and, you know, your extra felts and tools and parts. And, you know, just having that extra snare drum ready to go. And that bass drum pedal is all greased up and, you know, ready to be, you know, thrown on the drum kit and, you know, vacuum your rug and, you know, all the little things that separate you from the masses and kind of make you a professional. So you learn that from 
the school of hard knocks, which is just to get out there, roll up your sleeves and do the thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So you, of course, are also a clinician um, of sorts. Sure. Um, or have done master classes, whatever, however, however you want to um, phrase it. Sure. What are some of the best resources that have helped you along the way to not only get where you are, but kind of helped you kind of helped mold the drummer that you are today? Sure. Well, I got my, my first experience, my first kind of heroes were like Stuart Copeland with the police and Alex Van Halen with Van Halen, you know, I'm a product of the MTV generation, you know, sitting with my sticks on my practice pad and watching concerts on, you know, MTV when they had concerts. I mean, you watch like King Crimson or men at work or Ronnie James Dio. And it's like, Oh my God, you're learning about all these Carmine Apathy. You know, I had his book realistic rock and then I had great teachers you know, in El Paso, Texas, Jim Hargrove, Byron Mutnick, um, Henry Vega, Larry White, Ricky Malachi. And then I went to Texas Tech University. I studied with Alan Shin and then in North Texas State, Robert Chitroma, Ron Fink, Ed Stove, Henry Oxtel, just amazing teachers. And so I would just steal from all these people because, you know, good composers borrow, but great composers steal. So I would right. just steal. And then once I started, you know, having a voice on the instrument and I had a platform like the Jason Aldean band where people would actually want to hear what I have to say, because I was playing on hit songs and we were playing sold out, you know, venues are like, Hey, what is this guy all about? And does he have any information to share? I was taking cues from, you know, great clinicians like your Louis Belsons and, you know, your Carmines and your Roy Burns. And that grew into like Greg Bissonette and Kenny Aronoff. And, you know, I have my contemporaries like the Jim Riley's and the Stanton Moore's that were, you know, Mark Schulman's we're all trying to like keep the uh, drum clinic alive and it's a, it's dying a slow death. Um, you know, Todd Zuckerman's out there taking the, you know, the music to the people and, yeah. and um, you know, so whether I'm teaching a clinic or a private lesson or a masterclass or doing like a keynote speech, I just try to have something for everybody, tools and resources that you can walk away with and actually use in your daily life. And I try to wrap it up in a way that's incredibly um, entertaining and humorous as well, because I feel like people respond in a very positive way um, to humor, you know, especially when you can kind of make fun of yourself and you don't take, take yourself too seriously. You know, I'm not I'm not a brain or a rocket scientist. I'm just back there making people want to dance and helping them forget about their problems and stuff which is actually probably more important than being a brain scientist or a rocket scientist, you know, cause we're tapping right into someone's, you know, what makes them a, a human being and makes them laugh and cry and feel. And so it's a, it's, it's a heavy job we have, you know? And um, so you want to take it seriously as an art form, but at the same time, you don't want to take yourself too seriously. And that kind of um, segues into my next question uh, in a sense you know, there's all those drummer jokes, you know, how do you know the stage is level, the drummer drooling out both sides of his mouth, you know, different <laughs> things like that. A good one. Um, so what is a common myth about drumming or drummers that you would like to debunk? Oh, drummers are not the drummers are not the, you know, the idiot savants in the band. Like we're just lucky to hang out with the other musicians. Like most drummers I know are, are highly, energized charismatic individuals and they usually have some sort of other interest or skill set that keeps the band going like a lot of guys will like handle the band social media or they'll like handle like graphic design and in the early days of a band a lot of guys will like well i'll do the web design or i'll, I'll help uh, book the tour routing or they do some like 
co-tour managing. And, you know, some of these guys are really smart. I mean, Bunny Bun E. Carlos, the original Live at Budokan cheap trick drummer, you know, he retired from the band years and years ago, but his contract was so ironclad that that band goes out and works and Buddy sits on his couch and he's still making 25% of the band. So... You know, so you want to cross your T's and dot your I's. And as soon as you can learn about the the ins and outs of the music business, you know, um, you know, the legalities of it and what what defines intellectual property and, you know, how you can actually maintain a relevant career over a lifetime. And part of that is just having a massive skill set together and then being able to grow, evolve and change with the times and, um, you know, not be closed minded and constantly be checking out not only the past, which has informed, you know, the history of our instrument and where it's going, but also where it's going. You know, it's like I remember when my friend Johnny Rab was doing all the stuff with about drum and bass. And now um, then Thomas Lang pushes the uh, the gamut and he's doing everything with his feet that you people would do with their hands. And um, then you got the Marco Minimans and guys who are like doing like extreme like like pedal work and left foot clave. And so there's so much to steal and learn from all sorts of people. But at the end of the day, um, hopefully because of people, places, and circumstances that come across your path, you will find something that is just, just, it just resonates with your soul and it's your lane and it's easy. So, you know, I could play Japanese marimba pieces with, you know, one-handed rolls. I could play a little bit of jazz vibes. I know how to tune timpani. I can get through a cumbia track on the congas, but you know, really my thing is I get on the drums and I know how to play the big beat for the song to make that thing alive and um, make other people around me comfortable and then entertain the people in the audience. And that's just my thing. I am a, I was born to be an arena drummer. So that's my lane. And then around that, I can play softer. I can play louder. I can adjust my touch. I can pick up the brushes, you know? And so that's my kind of wish for everyone that uh, everyone kind of finds their, their lane. Well, and that's something that you kind of have to do with the things that you do with Jason Aldean. You know, one day you may be, playing an arena and then the next day you may be on tv and they may say hey you need to kind of dial it back or you're not actually playing oh yeah or or whatever the case may be so it that really that experience would benefit anybody but you know just hearing about those experiences and learning from those things would benefit even you know a beginner drummer Absolutely. And just being open minded, you know, if you're a drummer and you still don't own a shaker, maraca, tambourine, cajon, djembe, uh, you know, next week I'm doing a major television show for a major network and I'm playing the LP box kit, which is a, you know, it's a multi-surfaced uh, cajon like instrument, you know, which just has its roots in Peru. I play with my hands. I play with plastics. I play with brushes. There's a pedal hooked up to it. I got a little low boy symbol to my left. I got shakers and various things I could pick up. And it's just coming, it's come from an open-mindedness to really the world of percussion. When you play a drum set, you know, it's basically um, all these individual uh, musical instruments coming from different cultures coming all together at the same time. So, so, um, you know, be open to, you know, learning how to play some other percussion instruments. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something that just these last few years I've focused on just, not only getting something, the the baseball shakers and stuff like that from creative percussion, but um, just kind of experimenting with, you know, hey, may 
I play in a metal band. Well, maybe we want these, you know, industrial type sounds, you know, bongos and, and stuff like that, even yeah. in our music. Hey, why not? Yeah, you could detune the bongos and then, yeah. you know, you know, CP has a lot of stuff, like a lot of mm-hmm. bells and whistles and things that would sound very, very different. And, uh, you know, you look to someone like a Glenn Kochi of Wilco, who's literally playing like prepared percussion pieces on his drum set, incorporating, you know, modifying the sound of his snare drum, incorporating CP instruments, all sorts of crazy found sounds, rocks, um, break drums. Um, just crazy found sounds that he picks up in his travels and his drummers, you know, we're, we're, we have a tendency to travel, even if you're just playing in a band, like a tri-state area or something, you know, yeah. you know, go to like pawn shops and, and estate sales and pick up, you know, jembes and doom and weird stuff that, you know, grandmas don't know what that they have in their, uh, in their attic and you pick it up and you're, you start incorporating it in your music making. It's a really cool thing. You know, I have, um, I have like two deceased percussionists instruments that, that I, that they were like mentors in my life. And of course, like all things in life, there's a cycle of life and, and they pass on to the other realm. And, and then these instruments exist and they're part of like this recorded legacy. And I'm like, and I would talk to the widow and I'd be like, can I buy that from you? You know what I mean? It's just that I don't want to be grim. It's actually a, it's actually a very positive spiritual thing because you, the instrument has a life and you want to keep it going, you know? So, um, I even, I'm trying to keep that alive, you know, friends of the past. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that a few years ago was when, or a while back was when you had your first interaction with Kevin. So, let's go back to that interaction and kind of what brought you to the creative percussion family. Um, but also how does your relationship with Kevin maybe compare to some of your other companies that you, you know, work with? Because like for me, I am a Vader drumstick artist, but I don't have the relationship with Chad, who is Vader's a and R that I do with Kevin. I just don't work that closely with him. He and I will talk if I need a brick of drumsticks or, you know, I have something coming up. Whereas Kevin and I talk, you know, bi-weekly, even weekly. um, And I'm more involved in creative percussion because I do the podcast and some other things like that. So how does your relationship with Kevin compare to some of your other companies? And, um, how was your first initial reaction with Kevin or interaction with Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kevin probably, he might have a better memory than me, but I'm just, uh, it's a little hazy. The years are flying by, but I think it was, it could have been something as like far back as literally like seven or eight years ago where I was doing a master class in the Connecticut area. And my friend, Sarah Cardiel, she's the real deal. Sarah Cardiel, a real great student of mine. She's like, takes life by the, by the, you know, what's and goes after mm-hmm. it. And um, Kevin dropped by and he had some of his inventions and he hung out the whole time. And then there was like a dry period. We didn't talk to each other for a long time. And next thing I know, there's this 
fully, you know, functioning, organic, you know, living, breathing company that he created with all these products. And I was kind of like lusting after someone was like, oh, my God, that seems so incredible. But, you know, like I'm a Grover guy and a Rhythm Tech guy and an LP guy. And it's like, yeah. is that crossing the line? You know, you want to be respectful to these other companies you have these relationships mm -hmm. with and, you know, uh, Endorsements are a funny, funny thing. But for me, it's always about the people. You know, I have incredible relationships with these people where I can, you know, bypass email and I could just text like, hey, can I get a new rain stick? Uh, you know, and that's just be, you know, it's a mutual admiration society where it's like, hey, we know that you're going to do great things with this product. And, and then I also love the fact that I can get a return phone call from these people in their busy day, you know, but um, I know that Kevin's a people person and I know that everything is set up in his company to, for, to have this, you know, truly uh, awesome uh, give and take organic relationship with his artists, which is a really, really cool thing. So that's going to help shape this culture of his company and move things forward into the bigger and bigger leagues. And I know that uh, a lot of the big boys are, are looking right now and going, that's a great idea. Why didn't we think about that? You know, so bravo. It's the American dream. It really is. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest things that kind of impressed me about him was one of the first things that I bought from creative percussion, not from him, but that creative percussion made was a pair of the twist rods. Yes. Um, I needed some bundle rods and I needed them quick and, uh, I found some on reverb and it was two day shipping. So I was just like, Hey, I'm going to get these in. And after I used them, I reached out to Kevin and, you know, I was like, Hey, I've been using your twist rods. I really love them, you know, this and that. And he and I started having a conversation and I talked to him about joining the artist family. And, um, he said, just kind of be careful using the twist rods. He said, just kind of check with your A&R at Vader, see what they think about it because right. they make, did they give you the go ahead Vader? Yes. Yeah. See, that's nice. I mean, I think, I think, you know, especially when it comes to like recording, I mean, it's no secret that, you know, say you're, say you play, say you play DW drums and you've been playing yeah. DW drums for a long time and you love them and, and every, and they make a version of every classic drum out there. It's no secret that everyone loves a tried and true Ludwig, Acrylite, Black Beauty, and Superphonic. Any recession drummer in the world is going to have that. They're also going to have their favorite company's copies of those things. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of like a thing where it's just like, you know, occasionally I have to use, I'm a lifelong Sabian guy. Occasionally the engineer is going to request my, a pasty. Just yeah. because he likes the decay for the track, it goes away faster and you go, no problem because you want to be a team player. So it's just respecting everything. And then, and then, you know, just uh, trying to cultivate, uh, you know, these relationships for the, for a lifetime. Yeah. And there was, there's one company with me. I, I am with dream symbols on the education side. Okay. And they were not fans of me thinking about using some of Kevin's symbols, uh, the stainless steel, some stainless steel symbols that he has. So it, for, I, I respected that. And I said, you know, okay, I won't, you know, I won't yeah. order that. I won't use that. You know, I, I understand where you're coming from because it's, it is more of an infringement than maybe a pair of twist rods is for a drumstick company. 
yeah, I told Sabian I will not be playing any of the metal sounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though they're, they're some of them are just really unique and gorgeous. And, yeah. you know, that's the thing, you know, like sometimes when you're in the studio um, and you just are dying to play some incredibly strange Istanbul symbol that only that mm -hmm. one symbol can do its thing. You know, occasionally doing that is not a big deal. But when you're out there playing in front of 60,000 people yeah. night after night, you know, it's it's a different thing because that's where the um, that's where the company gets their most advertising grassroots marketing bank for their buck right so absolutely so this is stuff you just learn as you go so if there's young people out there you know a lot of people ask me like what is an endorsement how does it all work and you know it the main thing is play the instruments you like to play mm -hmm. and then if it comes time in your career where you are touring nonstop, you're on the radio or you're teaching a ton of people all three of those things are one of those things on a high level then you can start to think about having a conversation with somebody about having this mutually beneficial relationship. But the companies want to see you on TV. They want to hear you on the radio. They want to see you in the studio and they want you teaching other people and telling your students about that product. That's how it works. So how do you do that? So when your band or your career is in a place that you can, you have those things in place, then you could go and go to the NAM show and shake, you know, um, somebody high up at Remo's hand and go, Hey, I've been playing Remo drum heads for 25 years. And is there any way we can start to establish a relationship? Da, 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 da. They can only say no. So one thing that the music business is going to teach you is just how to um, recover from rejection, how to fall in love with rejection, and then how to hear the word no over and over and over and not let it derail you from your, your path, you know? Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is to realize that an endorsement is a relationship. Um, there are so many new drummers out there who look at an endorsement as a free ride. Yeah. And for me, and I've, I've told a few of my companies this, you know, I, th the products that I use, I would pay full price for. And still, if you consider me an artist, because that's how much I believe in the product. That's how much I love the product. Now I know with an endorsement comes a discount or, you know, whatever the case may be, but that's how much you have to believe in to, in a product for a company to, you want a company to see that and go, okay, this person is doing all of this, you know, playing 150, 200 shows a year, you know, whatever the case may be, or teaching 50 students or, you know, just, whatever the case is and he or she is going to bring something to this company that's going to get eyes on us you know i know you mm -hmm. get eyes on sabian and dw and all the companies that you in, endorse because of everything that you do and but i know like you said you value the relationship and that's something that i think a lot of people need to understand is it has to be about the relationship first not what are you going to give me give 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 take 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 yeah what are you going to give me to endorse your product no you want the relationship and that's what i love about creative percussion sure. is the relationship that i have with kevin and with sherry and yeah you know some even some of the other artists that i have had a conversation with you know on the podcast I've built a relationship with them because like I said earlier, this creative percussion artist roster is family. Totally. See, now you got my cell phone number and uh, you could send yep. me like strange memes and stuff, you know, so <laughs> we're, 
good, man. You know, it's it's a uh, uh, you know when I give someone my number and they don't keep in touch with me, I'm offended. You know, I mean, it's like I I'm a, I'm a, I'm a people person. So the the more you can make it about relationships, I, I mean, some of my companies, I I'm really there for the people. Everyone's making great products, you know what I mean. But I'm really there for the people, you know, and uh, and you know that's something to consider. But hey, CP man, it's a growing company, um, and it's a it's uh, a lot of risk taking, just a lot of like wha- mad scientist stuff going on, which is really, really cool. So I want to respect your time, of course. <laughs> um, and so I see, of course, in the background, which nobody else will be able to see this, but the Rich Redmond show. I yeah. listen to your podcast a lot. Oh, I actually, actually, your podcast is where I heard about um, Neil Peart passing away. I, know, oh I believe it was Casey Cooper. Who was your guest? Oh, it's Cole Marcus, day? this young girl from Los Angeles. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I remember, I remember hearing that episode and learning the news because I had just kind of taken a break from social media, but I was still listening to podcasts and this and that. And I heard that, uh, heard that conversation. So your podcast is where I found out about the, found out the news about Neil Peart. Wow. But um, I just, whatever you want to plug for the next couple of minutes, you know, okay. whatever <laughs> oh my it may God. be. Don't give me a couple minutes, man. Oh, uh, uh, geez. Well, I'm just so easy to find. You know, if the listeners want to go to richredmond.com, it's R-E-D-M-O-N-D, richredmond.com. And I got a gift for you. Actually, if you go to, to my um, website and you click on the shop icon, I actually have 10 free PDF books of every Jason Aldean track I have ever played on. And it's all fully transcribed, every hi-hat opening, every fill, every kick drum pattern, every cymbal crash. So if you want to work on your reading, you want to work on stylistic interpretation for yourself or your students at the high school level, the collegiate level, um, that's all free. Um, and uh, I have a cool uh, five and a half hour drum training package called at drumminginthemodernworld.com, which is really fun. It's 120 high definition videos, a lot of stuff that I know about drumming that I want to share with you. And then of course I have this podcast where I talk to uh, musicians, thought leaders, actors, authors, anybody in the creative arts. And we talk about all things, music, motivation, and success. And um, yeah, if you're somebody that owns a drum shop or you're a college educator or you're a high school person and you want me to come and sit in with your jazz band or your marching band. Like I'm a product of music education. I have my master's degree in music education. I, I love it. And I will come and play with your students. Just got back from um, uh, West Texas. I was in Odessa, Texas, and I was um, playing with a percussion ensemble at Odessa high school. And it was with uh, my friend Lalo Davila, who's the percussion instructor at MTSU and uh, my new friend Fasto Cuevas, who is the drummer, it was the percussionist for uh, J-Lo and Stevie Wonder, um, two people no one has ever heard about. And we got together and it was great. We celebrated the music of like Luis Enrique and Selena and uh, Mark Anthony. And it was cool, you know, so I'm half Italian, half Welsh, Irish, you know, and uh, but, you know, I grew up in El Paso. And so I have this kind of, uh, you know, love affair with uh, Latin American music. And so that was so fun. So I'm a big believer in music education. So if there's anybody out there that wants to host me for a drum clinic slash masterclass slash guest artist appearance, appearance, I'm always down for it. And then, of course, just check jasonaldean.com. We're going to come to your city this year, about 40 tour dates. Awesome. Well, like I said, I know you're a busy man. Um, so I do want to respect your time. So once again, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for making time of it. 
uh, time for it. <laughs> and uh, for the rest of you listening out there, thank you for listening, and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. Thank you.